Hello Detroit, hello Pistons fans. This is the Hoopball Pistons Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Gaderis. I'll be with you three times a week, every week, right here on hoop-ball.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Also find me on Twitter, at Hoopball Pistons. A lot to get to on this show. Big show today. First, everyone's already had their word on it. I'm a little late to the game with this one. But we got to break down the Cade versus Jalen battle from this past Wednesday. The Pistons versus the Rockets. It's the Pistons that get the victory, 112-104. It's, of course, the matchup between the number one and the number two picks. A reprisal of the much-anticipated, much-hyped game that took place during the Summer League when they first matched up. It's, of course, a game that's been amplified by a growing resentment towards Jalen Green for his constant whining about uh, not being the number one pick, hating on Detroit all the time. Um, he brings it on himself and unbiased. I'm going to be, you know, I'm, as always, I'm unbiased. Cade won this battle and the Pistons won the war in this one. So we're going to talk about that game, of course. We're also going to talk about the G League, as always. The Motor City Crews and Saban Lee played their second game of the year, their home opener last night, falling 121 to 116, I believe. Yep. At Wayne State Arena to the Wisconsin Herd. Another big game from Saban Lee. Another big game from Luca Garza. And Luca Garza, who was just called up today to the NBA, to the Pistons squad, to replace Kelly Olinick. This is our final headline of the day. Kelly Olinick out for six weeks with an MCL tear that he picked up in the Rockets Pistons game on Wednesday. He'll be out for six weeks. How will the Pistons replace him? What type of production will they have to replace? Um, they've already called up Luca, so we know he'll get some of those minutes. But we got to take a deeper dive into what production we're having to actually replace here. So let's get into it, and let's start, as I've said, with Pistons, Rockets, the marquee game of the early season on ESPN, nationally televised. The Pistons get their second victory of the year, 112 to 104, over the also bottom feeding Houston Rockets. The Pistons are now 2 and 8, the Rockets are 1 and 9. But of course, the narrative and the hype and the reason this was on TV it's the showdown between Cade and Jalen, the number one pick and the number two pick. And while that would probably be enough to get this game on TV in any other season, there's also the factor of Jalen Green talking so much trash in the media, outside of the court, you know, off the court, um, really coveting the title of number one pick, frequently at every turn dissing Detroit for passing on him at number one. And I just don't think it's a good idea to talk trash about Detroit. You know what I mean? Prove it on the court, man. Like, shut your mouth and prove it on the court. I think that's where it matters. So let's get to the performances. I don't want to talk too much about the trash talk. Let's talk about the performances. Cade, I thought, had his best game as a Piston. 20 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals and a block, 4 threes on 44% shooting with 4 turnovers. No trips to the line. So there are a couple flaws to the stat line still, but 44% shooting. For the first time, Cade shot you know an acceptable uh, field goal percentage. And it just keeps going up every game. So the positive trend is 
awesome to see. Unfortunately, Cade was limited in this game by foul trouble. Early on, he picks up two fouls, first four minutes. But man, were the first four minutes of this game exciting. Pistons get up to an 11-2 lead. Uh, Jalen Green is 0-2. And in this period, Cade has a, has a lay-in for himself. He has an assist to find Jeremy in the corner for a three. He has another play that I, you know doesn't show up on the stat line where he sort of sets a pick for, for Jeremy. And he, and he gets two guys stuck on him. And Jeremy has a wide open three. That's some kind of assist. Uh, and then, yeah, he gets two early fouls. And when he goes out, the game slows way down. The Pistons go 0 of 9 shooting from three. Corey Joseph, really terrible. Um, he's He turned the ball over five times in this game, but it, it looked like more. His handle was really loose, just, just losing the ball, just losing touch with reality it didn't it didn't feel good to watch Corey Joseph in this game and there was a narrative early on because of the foul trouble where it looked like Jalen was getting an edge uh in the individual battle because Cade was off the court and Cade was when Cade was on the court he was the primary defensive option matching up with with Jalen so Jalen does have this this uh, you know athleticism advantage over Trey Lyles, right, in the second quarter. He gets it going a little bit, uh, taking it to the hoop. Nice jumper over Josh Jackson. But I thought Dwayne Casey did a good job of really keeping Cade in the game as much as he could. Those two early fouls, that's tough. There's not much you can do about that. You kind of think you kind of have to take your guy out, so his his hand was forced. But he gets Cade right back in the game as soon as Jalen starts to get it going. And, you know, Cade all game long played the Jalen Stopper role. I also liked another, I mean, I'm, I'm giving Dwayne Casey his props today because I think another reason for Cade's success in this game was getting him some time in the second unit with Corey Joseph, Kelly Olynyk, Trey Lyles, a unit that, you know, has some chemistry together, has some veteran savvy. And they're able to find Cade for open shots. And I think this has something to do with Cade's growing confidence in his shot. These catch-and-shoot opportunities, he needs these, right? These help him get in a flow offensively shooting the ball. And at halftime in this game, my like prevailing thought was, wow, these teams are bad. Uh, a lot of misses, right? As much as there were positives for Cade, and there were pos- uh, positives for Jeremy Grant in this game, in the first half especially, there were very few positives for either team. Um, some team stats to read out real quick for the for the whole game, of course. The Pistons shot 43%, 33% from three, and 66% from the line. The Rockets equally as bad, 42% from the field, 35% from three, and 64% from the line. 34 trips to the line for the Rockets in this game. Kevin Porter Jr., 14 free throws, 8 made. That's really bad. That's a lot of free throws, though. So it kind of ground this game to a a really slow pace, almost a halt, with how many free throws, how many missed free throws there were, um, and just how many missed shots there were in, in total. Um, felt like you know you could set a record for how many badly missed shots there were. And this is something I want to say about Jalen Green. I don't want to hate on Jalen Green too much because I did think he was relatively impressive. Um, you know, his athleticism definitely helps him get to places that other guys can't. 
and I think he looks good attacking the hoop, which is, you know, relatively good attacking the hoop, which is something that I think is a good indicator for a young player. But he's 8 of 20 in this game. I'll read Jalen's stat line for the game. He's 25 points, sorry, 23 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, no steals, no blocks, 3 threes, 40% shooting, 4 of 4 from the line, 2 turnovers, playing no defense. But, you know, it's a shame that, like, wildly missed shots don't count as turnovers because Jalen half the time is just completely out of control. Um, You know, the athleticism is great, but he needs to be able to control it a little better. Um, Yeah, he really, half these shots are are so far off. And especially, I don't like his three-point shot. This is just a personal preference, but he shoots it to the moon. He shoots it so high in the air. That when it goes in, you're like, whoa, splashy splash. But did it need to go that high? Like, it seems like a, a flaw in his shot, if you ask me. But I could be very wrong about that. I don't know the sort of conventional logic on shot trajectories. But okay, that was the first half, right? And we had a limited Cade. We didn't get a ton of minutes for Cade. The second half is where it got good. And in the third quarter, Jeremy Grant, 21 points in the quarter, absolutely on fire. I think he's really at the point where he's benefiting from Cade from not having to create so many shots himself. Something that Jeremy can do but is not incredibly efficient at. And he's much better, you know, being a decisive scorer, finisher of something that has been created for him. 21 points in the quarter, 35 points for the game. Huge game for Jeremy. 35 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. 12 of 23 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3, 7 of 9 from the line. He's an impact player on both ends of the floor. And yeah, I thought he won. If, if there was another narrative within this game, it might be you know, the performances of the veteran offensive options on each team. That being Jeremy versus Christian Wood with a, with a parentheses around Eric Gordon. Um, and I think Jeremy won that matchup. Uh, you know, he was just really efficient. He... Didn't give up anything on the defensive end. He's building a chemistry with Cade that makes him dynamic on offense, more so than he was when he was trying to create for himself. And that's just another feather in the cap for Cade and something that I think, again, adds to his uh, impressive performance tonight, how he makes the team better, not just his individual performance um, and individual stat line. So... In the third quarter, I think we saw some of the most entertaining parts of the Jalen Cade matchup. Um, You know, when Jalen thinks he gets it going uh, is the time when Cade has that mental advantage uh, to bear down and, and, you know, tell him that, you know, there's four quarters in this game. Jalen did get a few buckets in this quarter. Um, He hit a three. He drew a foul. There was a play where one of the Rockets players throws a cross-court heave sort of pass to Jalen. He catches it. You know, Cade is matched on Jalen, but there's a ton of space. And he basically has a free path to the hoop. He takes it, big dunk, and he gets a tech for saying something to Cade in that moment. Big, you know, exclamation point kind of moment that fell flat because of the tech. And... You know, you feel again like Cade is winning this battle. Um, I love to see that. And just want some, you know a quote from Cade that came out after the game about this moment. He says, 
It depends on what they're saying. I'll talk too. Nothing that I heard tonight held any weight. It was all for the cameras. And to back this quote up, you know, Cade in the fourth quarter especially saw the Pistons through to the finish line. And it was a team effort for sure, but a couple plays that I want to mention. There was a play where, you know, late in the shot clock, Jalen Green gets the ball at the top of the key. Cade's his matchup. You're just praying he doesn't bomb in one of these, you know, moonshot threes. And Cade locks him down, causes an air ball and a shot clock violation. Love to see it. You know, he's just a mature defender. Another play that shows his defensive maturity down the stretch. Jalen Green attacking the hoop. Cade draws the charge. You know, it's not a high athleticism play that's going to get in the highlight reels, but it's a really smart veteran move, picking up a charge. And, um, yeah, it's just one of the many ways in which Cade won this matchup. To ice it in the fourth quarter, you know, he has a catch-and-shoot three. He has a spin move, lay-in at the end. Cade's doing it all. He's playing defense. He's playing offense. He's making the team better. And the Pistons win, 112-104. So the three stars of the game for me, number one is Cade Cunningham. Best game of his year of his career, uh, best game of the year. Number two, Jeremy Grant. It's also his best game of the year. Um, doing it on both ends, developing chemistry with Cade. If I weren't so excited about Cade, he would have that number one spot locked up. And my third star would be Sadiq Bey. Thought he was good, you know. Um, he only shoots 35% in this game, so that's really not good. But other than that, he's a hardworking player who has a tendency to turn it on in the second half of games. And, you know, that is kind of when you need him, right? This team does have a tendency to fade away and lose games um, gradually, right? Not fight back um, in the third and, you know, fourth quarters of games. So um, Sadiq is doing that relatively consistently. And I got to give him his props. Some low lights from this game. Kelly Olenek picks up an injury out for six weeks. We'll talk about that in a second. Killian really not involved much at all in this game. Only four points, one of four shooting, three assists, not much else. Um, You know, he has a tendency to be invisible and uninvolved, but he's as solid as ever on defense and... You just like to see him be more aggressive, not pass up shots, a la Ben Simmons, a la, you know, Killian Hayes, basically. And Isaiah Stewart, another big low light, only 15 minutes, a really productive 15 minutes, four points, eight rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. But he was absolutely hosed by foul calls in this game, several terrible calls, a phantom um, flagrant one that on review was ruled a flagrant one. It's clearly an acting job by Christian Wood. Um, there was another play later in the game that was actually overturned after a challenge from Dwayne Casey. Um, Daniel House kicks his leg out on a three, contested three. And um, yeah, they overturned it. Offensive foul. So that was good. But then <laughs> moments later, Um, Isaiah is called on, you know, what looks like a pretty standard contested shot, like verticality issue and gets really upset. He just feels like he's being, you know, hosed and he gets a tech for yelling at the ref. 
it was a frustrating one for Isaiah, clearly, and for Isaiah's fans and Pistons fans. But again, with the news of Kelly Olynyk, we're going to need a lot of Isaiah Stewart. I still think he's shown some positive signs lately. Just hope he can rebound from this one. So a really exciting Wednesday leads us into an exciting Thursday for the Motor City Cruise. The Pistons G League affiliate loses their home opener at Wayne State Arena, 121-116 to the Wisconsin Herd, who looked like a pretty good team. Uh, I I had a chance to watch a tiny bit of this live, and it was fun. It was a fun game to watch, exciting at the end. You know, these games are high scoring, turnovers galore, transition buckets galore. Um, I don't think the defensive intensity was all that high uh, throughout the game, but at the end, it it got pretty intense. Saban Lee posts a line of 33 points, two rebounds, nine assists, two steals, two blocks on 10 of 22 shooting, four of eight from three, six of eight from the line. Huge line. I mean, that's another big game for Saban. I think he's pretty clearly deserving of a call-up to the Pistons. The timing is not great for him, uh, of course, because Kelly Olenek is hurt and the Pistons have decided to replace him with Luca Garza, who in this game had 22 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 2 blocks on 7 of 18 shooting. 1 of 7 from 3 is not good, but 5 of 5 from the line is good. And... Yeah, I wonder how many times Saban has to do it before the Pistons figure out a way to get him on the roster. Maybe it's Corey Joseph. I don't know what that means for Corey. I don't know what you have to do to open that spot up. You want to keep him around, I think. Maybe you cut Rodney Magruder. Maybe you send Frank Jackson to the G League. I'm not sure exactly what you have to do to get Saban up, but he's... he's the athleticism from Saban is is shocking. It's it's eye popping. He had a huge dunk in this game off a steal. He had six turn, six turnovers himself, and in the period where I watched, he was getting his pocket picked a few times. So it's not all roses for Saban, but you got to challenge him with the NBA style of play. The G League is just a little bit chippier, a little bit scrappier, and um, a little bit less high-level basketball, you would say. I think it's time to challenge Saban and bring him up to the NBA. And then two guys who theoretically maybe could find their, their themselves on the Pistons this year. Jamorco Pickett had a bad one. Four points, one of seven shooting, a negative 28 in 26 minutes. Horrible game. Uh, and then Servitas, Davidas Servitas, had a, had a good game. 20 points, 11 rebounds, two, th- two assists, three steals. Four threes and three of three from the line. I mean, it speaks for itself. Really efficient offense. And he was on the Pistons last year. We know he has the chance to make it back. So, yeah, if he keeps that up, that type of shooting, uh, the Pistons desperately need. So, we'll see about Davidas. But let's finish the show talking about Kelly Olenek and how the Pistons could possibly replace him for the next two months or so. It came out on Thursday. Kelly Olenek is set to miss at least six weeks with an MCL sprain, an injury he picked up in the Houston game when his knee came together with Jalen Green's knee on a pick, and 
The rest is history. MCL sprained. So the Pistons now have to replace a key rotation player, a guy who is playing 23 minutes a game, averaging 12.5 points, 1.5 threes, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 0.7 blocks, shooting 46% from the field on 10 attempts a game. That's a pretty big load, right? He's, he's contributing across the board. And Kelly's fit on the team was really strong. I felt his combination of skills in one player, um, facilitating for others, the ability to hit a big three, those two skills in particular from the center position, uh, the Pistons don't have anyone else who can replace those, but they, they kind of need to find it. I think they need that playmaker, that facilitation that Kelly was bringing I would say so far this year, Kelly's probably the second most effective facilitator on the team. A guy who can set others up, but also can knock down a shot of his own. That's the sort of decision and sort of the options you like to have from your center position, from the five. So we know the Pistons are going to have to try and play Isaiah Stewart more. Only 23 minutes a game for Isaiah. That has to go up. But it doesn't answer the question of how the Pistons replace the shooting and how they replace the playmaking of Kelly. Isaiah's been a part of the team all year. Isaiah is very much a a very different player than Kelly. He's a defensive center. He's a finisher, a guy who gets rebounds, putbacks, layups, dunks. A little bit of mid-range is okay, but the three-point shot I don't trust. I would like to see Isaiah pass more. Why not? But um, I don't know the results are going to be all that great. We know the Pistons have called up Luca Garza. And he's a center, first or second round pick from this last draft. So we know the Pistons have some level of investment in him. And he's a shooter. So I think that more or less answers the question of where do we get that shooting at the five spot? Well, give Luca a chance. That looks like it's going to happen. Luca's played in the NBA already this year. Looks like a defensive liability, but he's made some shots. He had a really fun duel in the seventy in one of those 76ers games uh, with Embiid at the end of a quarter, just sort of going back and forth. Uh, Embiid dominating uh, Luca, but then Luca hitting two threes, you know, to answer. And so that was fun. Luca might give us some more moments like that, but I don't think he's much of a facilitator. In the way that Kelly was, Luca's got slow feet. You know, I don't trust him uh, operating with the ball very much. We know Trey Lyles is likely to play a little bit more. You know how I feel about Trey Lyles. He's been fine. He's actually probably been better than I thought he would be. And given the lack of depth in the front court, I'm I'm okay saying that we might need to play him. But again, he's just sort of okay at everything. He's not particularly good at anything. So I don't know what he, wh- where he picks up the slack or if he's just a net sort of negative or neutral. And I'm also looking to see how this might change the game plan for Jeremy. He's our biggest switchable wing defender. He's defended guys like Giannis already this year. He can be sort of a small ball five. We've, we've even heard quotes in the preseason uh, from Casey about Jeremy playing some small ball five. 
This might force the Pistons' hand in terms of altering his role. I would kind of love to see that just to see what happens. A little fewer shots for Jeremy and more like facilitation role. Um, But I'm speculating. I have no idea. I would also just speculate just while while I'm at it that, uh, you know, if the Pistons really sorely need some playmaking, they might have to look elsewhere, not at the center position, and instead at our favorite G League guard, Saban Lee. One way or another, they got to find a way to get him on the roster, I think. But this roster, its issue in the front court are going to be tested straight away. There's a back-to-back kicking off tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers and Rookie of the Year frontrunner Evan Mobley, the number three pick in the draft. And he's going to cause some problems for the Pistons along with his front court partner, um, sorry, front court partner, Jared Allen. On the Saturday game of the back-to-back, the Pistons play the Toronto Raptors, another team with a lot of switchable, interesting big men, including another Rookie of the Year contender, Scotty Barnes. So I'll be doing a show probably after that uh, back-to-back. And just also I'll plug that there's another G League game tonight. A doubleheader. It's a rematch against the Wisconsin Herd. You can watch it on ESPN+, Plus. I think. That's where I watched it last night. So um, look for those games either on ESPN Plus or gleague.nba.com. All right, I'm Joey signing off. See you next time.